House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 8, Lord of the Tides. Well, I guess uh, let's start by just giving all praise to Patty Constantine. Or yeah. Constantine. Uh, I think his performance as Viserys is one of my favorite I've seen in all of Game of Thrones. I even read something online that George R. R. Martin liked his portrayal better than what's in the book and better than what he thought. His whole character um, and performance I thought was great, so hats yeah. off to him. Well, he did such a great job of portraying a king that... I agree with Damon. He, he's not really well respected, especially the way that his kingdom gets taken over there when Rhaenyra and Damon come in when he's sick. He gets trampled over. It happens so many times by so many people that we've seen in this season, but yet he's so likable. And it, I think it's so hard to play both of those and, and be successful. And yet he did. And there's been so many times where I'm like, God, the guy just wants his family to come together and get along. And he just reminds me of so many other people of how they probably feel about their families for like family get togethers. And yet it just. Well, as you say, he, he walks the line between he's kind of a pushover, but he's not without backbone. Right. You know, he, he is kind of tough, too. And just the performance walks that really well. And also, he's probably, to me, the most relatable character in that nobody in our modern world or nobody I know is very much like Damon, you know, or nobody right. I know is, is like Lord Corliss or whatever. But a lot of people I know are like the series. Yeah, I just I just really enjoyed it. I hope he gets some consideration for an Emmy or whatever. Yeah, he, he was very good. And it's kind of one of those things. Like, I remember when... Ned Stark's head got taken off and you're like, what? And that, like, you love this character. But a big part of the reason sometimes when you love a character is because they've been played really well. And so now knowing that he's passed in this episode and that we're not going to get any more of him, there's there's just that loss of like, oh man, we just, we lost a really great character and an actor playing a really, a character greatly. And one of the few natural deaths, well, <laughs> aided along, surely, but... One of, one of the few deaths of old age-ish. Um, Overall, this episode was a pretty mixed bag for me. Um, how did you feel about it? Just your, your overall first impressions um, without going into the story or anything. But did you feel positive or negative about it? Or how do you like it compared to some of the other ones? Uh, I think I have to think about it more. Um... We usually do our rankings in our longer ones. We're not going to do a ranking here. But this is the first time when after watching it, I have some concerns and I, there was some things that I didn't really like. I, I thought it was probably the weakest episode of the season while having some really good and powerful things in it. But I, I, I feel like this episode will probably be a mixed bag for a lot of people. I haven't looked at any reviews or anything, but I bet some people really, really liked it and I bet other people have some misgivings. Yeah, I don't know if it's the weakest one for me um, because the strong elements pull it up. I do struggle with with some things, though, where a lot of times my criticism is things didn't add up or are rushed. Well, I guess let's start with the new casting. That was one of my concerns is I don't really like the new casting. I agree. At all, except for Amond, or as I like to think of Damon (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. And there's even a moment, or it's right when uh, Damon cuts off... uh, Vaymond. Vaymond's head. And you just see this look on Eamon's head. Or on Eamon's, <laughs> Eamon's face. face yeah. so, and, and it's just like, 
Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, those are birds of a feather right there. Even though I don't think they're going to flock together, I think they do in terms of how they, they compose themselves. But You can't um, have people that similar on the same side. I do like Eamon's casting, but only if his casting fits with those around him and none of the other casting fit. Yeah, so I agree with yeah, you. He so, sticks out so much. Yeah, he looks like older than yeah. all of them by 10 years. Yeah, I don't know why... With the strong kids, Jace and Luke, they look like hobbits to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, not only are they small in stature and I guess look young, like they look totally in. There's, there's nothing noticeable about them except that they're small in stature. And Harwin Strong was supposed to be one of the strongest people in the Seven Kingdoms, and he was a strapping fellow. Yeah. So I, I feel like the misfire there. And the age, you just you can't tell the ages of these people and how they're supposed to be in relation to each other. Luke looked like a little boy next to Amond, and he is younger, but but by how much? Because right. Amond is the third child. So uh, well, and they had their encounter in the last episode, you know, where he took out his eye, and there's whatever. If they're three years apart now, they look like. 10 years apart or three years apart then they look 10 years yeah Eamon looks like a full grown man and all Rhaenyra's kids and I I missed Joffrey in it yeah Uh, they referenced him but I don't recall seeing him right and and but another thing that kind of blows my mind here like a, a show that pays so much attention to detail unless it's explicitly stated in in the history is why don't the strong boys have longer hair uh well I don't know but it's kind of the way that a lot of the men, especially the men of Renera's family, it's the hair that they have. So, and the reason why I point that out is because they stand out that much more. Why would you put more targets on your back? Everybody else has got long hair. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, except for that they stand out and that they're completely unstandoutable. <laughs> They just look like two. Well, they stand guys. out because they, they right. They, they don't look like warriors, that's for sure. I also didn't like Aegon's casting. Aegon the the Elder. That's what they're going to call them, by the way, at least in the books. So, Alicent's son Aegon is Aegon the Elder, and Rhaenyra's son Aegon is Aegon the Younger, or something. Okay. Um, but Aegon the Elder, I didn't really like his new casting either. He was totally indistinguishable, and he didn't look that much like the last guy, and. He looked shorter. <laughs> Maybe that's just because the last guy was around younger people. But you No, know. he did look shorter. They looked so different from one another. So that was unfortunate with casting. Like, I don't need them to look exactly alike. So no, but if the actors Allison's don't look alike. actresses don't look exactly alike, but they looked pretty close enough. Yeah. But here they look fundamentally different, uh, Aegon's. And, and if they don't look that much alike, they should give them the same haircut and stuff to at least make it them look alike, at least for the first introduction. But he had shorter hair and everything. I really liked the actor who played middle age. Yeah, Aegon the Elder. The the first one we got. Yeah. The masturbating in the window kid. And, and this guy <laughs> did fine. It just, it's almost like I, I don't know. The, there was a disconnect for me a little bit with it. It didn't transition smoothly with that. So I agree with you on all of this. The, the casting made it hard to get into it as much the same way it's, it's like the opposite that happens when you really appreciate excellent casting this is something where 
the, the casting and it's the casting, not, not, not the acting. Right. Yeah. Everybody performed fine. Yeah. And, uh, just with the whole aging thing, you know, Matt Smith looks pretty much the same, maybe a little bit older. I thought Kristen Cole looked a little bit older in the one scene we got him, but then, you know, Viserys, every time there's a time jump, he ages 30 years. Now he's got something going on, some kind of leprosy yeah. type thing and possibly being poisoned or at least, uh, excessively, uh, medicated but it's uh i don't know it i thought the other time jumps worked better than this one this one was definitely more jarring to me i did remember thinking when renera was introducing her kids to viserys the first time i was like no kid wants to see that but what I, I know you live in a different time here but what you doing this is not gonna work the way you want i guess but well damon then... also didn't want to see it this is one of the few episodes i think where we got the most emotional range from Damon and it wasn't that much range but there was some there and you know that it wasn't because he was grossed out because he wasn't grossed out at all from the crab feeder it's seeing his brother in this state right and I wonder if he feels a sense of like that he did abandon his brother well I feel that way I almost want to be like fuck you Damon you know like now you're going to be this caring guy that he's completely incapacitated and falling apart when he's invited you back and forgiven the terrible things you've done three times or whatever I think we're supposed to kind of be rooting for Damon here as the quote-unquote good guy in, in this episode. Or the good guy's not the right term for Damon, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think Damon's ever going to be a good guy. Right. Like, we are consistently reminded of basically what a dick he is. But you enjoy him as the, the dick that he is. And he's not like Joffrey from Game of Thrones where he's just a sociopath. Yeah. Damon actually does care for people and beyond himself. <laughs> I don't know if they ever come after himself, but like, I think Renera is right up there after like, is Damon number one, Renera number two. And she's not like a far second for Viserys affections. You mean, or what do you, what do no, you just mean? who Damon gives a shit about. Oh, I think Damon always comes first in Damon's world, but well, he seemed kinder and gentler this episode, so he's probably been more content with Renera than with relationships we've seen so far. The way that Damon clearly struggles to see Viserys falling apart here in this episode, I, I think it's another representation that it's been hard for him to watch Viserys fall apart as a ruler, that he is weak and gets taken care or um, taken advantage of, especially when the high towers are around with Otto. Like, that's always been a major criticism for, from Damon to Viserys. And I think, you know, even though last episode Viserys invites him to come back to court, Damon just can't be around and watch Viserys be taken advantage of and be powerless. Well, in Damon's description to Otto in the last episode as a leech who grows fatter seems pretty applicable in this episode. They do seem to literally be sucking Viserys dry. Not, not literally. They seem to figuratively be sucking Viserys dry, taking his... His power, his responsibilities through over-medication and through supposedly representing his desires, which we know that they would have ruled completely different for Vaymond yeah. had he not showed up. And that struggle here that Vaymond is putting forth is the smaller version of what the, the larger question of succession is. So had they ruled a different way, that would have implications for Rhaenyra's situation. So there's obviously parallels between what's happening at Driftmark and what's happening at King's Landing. Well, there is no way for Damon to come forward and say this, uh, or not Damon, sorry, Vaymond, uh, and make this claim without completely 
putting Rhaenyra in, in the lineage and Rhaenyra being queen, like all of that would have been decided with this. But there's no way he could have done it without saying that the kids were bastards. And so he would have had to commit technically treason at this point with the hopes that the high towers would rule in his favor. But they're already meeting behind closed doors at the literal small council table. So it just kind of shows. Right. He was already offering them the full Navy and supports and sweetening the deal so that they were going to go with him. But I mean, they already were going to go with him. It was all done and, and Rainey's knew it. Yeah. So when Rainey's is invited to speak, do you think she changed her mind on the spot? when Viserys was holding court instead of Otto? I think Rhaenys is a survivor. I speculate she lives for her kids and now for her grandkids. Uh, and so what she is trying to do is create a world in which her grandkids can have the best life. Like, that's what she's doing. So that's why she refuses to join with Rhaenyra when the winds were blowing a different way. But then when Viserys comes, and it's very clear where the winds are blowing, at least in that moment, I think she didn't feel as as scared to throw in her lot of where things go with that. Um not to say that that can't change on her later. However, I give Rainey's a lot of credit. I think she's one of those characters that people overlook because there's so many other strong characters. And this is actually, I think, her best episode. She's someone like she's a star of this episode. Uh, and I say that because I think she loves Corliss. And we saw a lot of fighting last episode, but I think she loved him like throughout their entire marriage. And so this is a way that she is honoring their relationship and their love because it is what he wanted and she knew it. He was very clear. And so if he's the only one who gets to decide, his decision was made and she knew it. And this was disrespect to him and even more disrespect in his maybe death. And so she wasn't going to do that if it wasn't going to throw her whole house under in terms of like she thought the safety of her grandkids. But then I think she also... She's a Targaryen. And what's happening here is going against, I think, some Targaryen interests. Because all these kids are Targaryen at the end of the day. It's whether or not they're Valerian. Well, the Valerian bloodline would certainly be, will apparently certainly be diluted. Uh, I mean, Vaymond. Well, and Rhaenyra's proposal actually is, it sets it all up. Not only does Corlys get what he wanted, which is his progeny on the throne... But then uh, Driftmark remains with actual uh, Valerian blood. So her proposal of both of those gives everybody what they want except for Vaymond. Yeah, and Renera, I do think she changed her mind isn't the word, but she's quick on her feet. And like you said, when she saw... <laughs> she's quick on her feet with marriage proposals when she's... Uh, the, the sharks smell blood. Sorry, I meant Rainey's, uh, if I said Renera. Rainey's at court. I think she was going to say something different until Viserys showed up. So she's, that's what I mean. When she's I, yeah, I think she wasn't going to contest anything. But it's not because she's against Rhaenyra. It's because she's for her grandkids. And I, I'm purposely saying that and not the house. Because technically she would go with Vaemon then. Right. Yeah, so Vaemon gets his head cut off. That that does happen in the books. Vaemon is a cousin, not a brother. So it's not um, oh, as... Okay. In, yeah, in the books he's a cousin. And Damon does cut his head off. Not like this, not in court, not from behind. We don't really know the details, but he basically, when Vaymon is making this problem, Damon flies to wherever he is and fights him and kills him. Also, in the books, Viserys does have a bunch of people's tongues removed 
for... So you asked me last episode if I thought any would happen. And I said, no, he's going to die. And I actually spent most of this episode being like, oh, I was right. And then when Veyman, you could tell he was going completely off the rails there, even when the series had already shown up. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I was wrong. We are going to get a tongue cutting. And then we didn't. So I was technically right. right. Nobody got a tongue cut out and Viserys died. (laughs) But I felt like it's fine the way they did it. Like they they can only fit in so much. But I felt like they took away the only act that Viserys gives us that's truly following through with his threat. They implied that he would have done it if he could. He pulled his knife and everything. But it's like... They had to have Vaymon go so far as to call Rhaenyra like a whore, <laughs> you know, whereas in the books, old Viserys just, it's like some second cousins or something of Corlys that are complaining just like Vaymon did in this episode and he has her tongues removed, which in the book you like kind of are sad that he did that because it's like, oh God, this is terrible. But in the show, I wanted to see him follow through with something. So some of my misgivings about this episode, the way it was directed and it didn't feel like the other episodes. It didn't feel like it flowed to me. Like, I think if you watched all eight in a row, this would stand out as just a weird episode. I could be wrong about that, but that was my first impression. But I think my biggest problem from a storytelling point of view is the stupid song of ice and fire thing that we keep getting reminded of, which doesn't even come true because nobody unites the seven kingdoms against the threat of the North, blah, blah, blah. But the way he messes up who he's talking to with Renera and Alicent is the same as when Kristen Cole spilled the beans preemptively. It's just... It's, it's always favoring Allison here. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and it's going to... I They that can, is they, they can do biggest, better than that. Like, that's, that's my biggest, yeah. I think, criticism of this episode is actually that scene. One, because I don't know if I'm just picky about this and I'll own it. I still stand behind my, my pickiness. But sometimes these shows have a way of betraying the female characters, and that bothers me. Alicent is not that whimsical and and, uh, flighty just in terms of being all good at the table there and holding Rhaenyra's hands. Like like how she she seemed to be really, like, connecting and really forgiving. I'm sorry, after all of that, it doesn't happen that fast. But then... When Viserys is clearly out of his mind and she knows it. That's her whole argument of why they've taken over. It's not completely a farce that he's struggling. And that he she takes him at her his word there, like as if she's like, Oh, I understand. And right. Why, what would you it matter see the what switch he's back about. there? Yeah. That was not well set up and done, and it's a betrayal to her character. She deserves better. Yeah, and so does he, and so does the whole... The writers can do better than that. It's like, right, so she's going to flip-flop based on a drugged-up man on his literal deathbed who was probably speaking nonsense. And it's like, she she warmed up, and now she's going to harden again. Even at the, the dinner, I, I kind of appreciated this. Like, even Otto was having fun. He's, like, clapping for the dancing and stuff. It's like, they did try to portray that actually maybe this desperate plea from Viserys is going to work. But of course it's not going to, but it, I don't know. It's just, yeah, all a little bit too fast and unconvincing. But yeah, just the, the convenience of, of that scene where she's, yeah, she listened to him. And again, it's like the Kristen Cole thing. It's like, ah, oh, come on, writers. You can do something better than some goofy miscommunication that sets everything into motion. I could have bought if everybody made an effort to give the series a nice meal. 
but not that there was like this faux friendship that like gets established. Like, well, that does happen in the books. To be fair, they do have a big dinner, and history records that there was kind gestures and speeches to each other. And then when Viserys goes to bed, Aemon does provoke the Strongs by saying what he said, like "You're so smart, you're so whatever, and you're so strong." Um, so that that is straight out of the book. Um, oh, he but, is gonna be trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I'm almost a little uncomfortable because we're calling him Damon 2.0. But here's the thing. Damon we see in the first episode, kindness, when he helps Renera at her mother's funeral and how sad it all is. We see some kindness again from him here. There are moments where he, he truly does have that Jamie Lannister-esque kind of portrayal where you love him and hate him at the same time. Honestly, Aemon gives me Joffrey vibes. He is just cruel and vicious, and he's got his own prerogatives, which he's less petulant than than Joffrey from Game of Thrones, like Joffrey Lannister. Um, but it, it, oh God, I mean, technically Joffrey Baratheon, but I don't see any kindness here. I see just him planning and scheming, and it's all a part of that, and that's scary. It's a great character, but like I, I... Well, they showed a couple times, the oldest trick in the book to show us what a badass he is, is they have him defeat Kristen Cole in their sparring session. And Kristen's been his trainer up till now. So that's like a quick way to show us what a badass he is. And then when Luke or Jace, whichever one, punches him, it basically bounces off of him. You know, so... Well, it's because a child. Right, because, yeah, the cat, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I keep going back to you calling them hobbits. And that was where I was thinking about their short hair. But they just look so disheveled. Yeah, and they're wearing like... Yeah, they just literally look like the Sam and Gemji or whatever their name is. Um, but then another thing that that concerns me just about the possible direction. So we have two episodes left, which is nice. <laughs> Sorry, just, I've never heard you say Sam Gemji before. Is that two people or one person? No, you're right. I yeah, just, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that you knew his first and last name. Oh, no, I thought it was two separate people. I thought they were saying... <laughs> no, it's like Genji. me saying... <laughs> right. Well, they, like looked like, they looked like Pip and Sam, put it that way. <laughs> Pip and Sam. It's Frodo and Sam, and then Pip and Mary. It looked like Pip and Mary. But Sam, Samwise Gamgee, that's his full name. So that's where I was like, God, I didn't know, but I guess you didn't know. <laughs> um. Anyways, there's, there's two episodes left, so it is nice. Normally something like Viserys dying or Ned dying or Stannis dying or whatever happens in the second to last episode. Oh, no, Stannis died in the 10th episode. But usually the second to last episode is it's like the big, the big event. You so, know, I forgot about that. Uh, right. So there's so if, if House of the Dragon follows suit, next week will be the big episode. And I gloriously can't wait for it, but I'm like anxious waiting for it, too. Well, my concern is that what if it's just a battle in the Stepstones that we don't really care about? The Stepstones happened early. Corliss got hurt out there. They said that the, the battle's flaring up again. So that could be where they put the budget in the big battle. But it's like we're not invested at all as viewers into that. Now, maybe it'll go somewhere else that I don't expect. But that's a... Yeah, I hope they don't go that route. But it seems like they will. And then one thing I, I will say that was really good about this episode although good in a bad way is that watching Viserys die and be old has haunted me ever since and it makes me think about being an old man and dying 
and it's not that pleasant <laughs> to think about or to watch. No, the way or he went too. Like basically, his body is rotting on him, and he's still alive. But I'm not he, even he's thinking in about horrible that. Horrible pain. Like I don't think I'm going to die like that. But just uh, just an old man dying and wheezing in in bed is probably pretty common, you know. So anyways, I'm, I'm giving this well, as... and he died alone. Yeah. But I'm, I'm giving this as a strength of the episode as far as artistry and stuff. I think a lot of the CGI budget went to making him look so emaciated and, yeah. and all of that. That was pretty impressive what they did. It looked pretty realistic. So this will be hard to answer for this one, but we, we've set up in our weekly show of who's winning and who's losing the Game of Thrones. You want me to go first or do you want to go first? You go first. Yeah, this episode is extremely tough to answer. I mean, the series is out of the picture. Obviously, his legacy isn't going to... Actually, I know my answers. I I needed a moment to think, but I think I got him. (laughs) Um, But I guess I'm going to say losing is House Valarian, even though these marriage proposals might save him. But Corliss, we don't know if anything's going to happen with him, and then his brother is out. Well, we have to be careful on how we answer this question because a lot of times I'm answering it for the episode and not for overall. And so my answer is actually not a house, it's people, and they're both from House uh, Valarian. And and my, my winner of the Game of Thrones for this episode is Rainey's. She played well. She did not have a good hand to start with, and she played well with holding back and then pulling that ace out of her pocket at the last moment when it really mattered. And she called it well. And technically, the way things are lined up right now, it's a good move. Yeah. So for the episode, she's my winner. And the loser is <laughs> uh, Vaymond, uh, like Valarian. <laughs> yeah. What a very big overstepped. I, there must be a thing with pride in that family because his pride just took him over way too much. I mean, it was almost comical, They actually. took it too far. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and comical in a bad way. Like, it was just some farce of how he was so out of control like, how would he last that long in life if he's that out of control and impulsive with that? I get that he's mad and things didn't go his way, but you bide your time, you come up with another plan. Like, all he would have to do is wait for Viserys to die and then try again to make his claim. And so it just didn't really, that's another major criticism I have of this episode of just how out of control he went. I would have bought Damon flying to where he was, and, but he, he just made a spectacle in court in right. front of the king. Yeah, well, he is the master of complaints. Uh, all right, anything else you want to touch on? Well, you have to answer. Oh, I think you're... I'll go with what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I said... Everybody, Valarian, you but, heard it here. Yeah. No, I mean, Vayman's the, the clear loser. If we have to go with people who are still alive, I'm going to say the loser... <laughs> no, I don't think we have to go with people yeah, who are still alive. Right. Like, Just because I don't think anyone outmaneuvered or outperformed... They tried and it didn't happen, but it wasn't like a huge loss from Rhaenyra's side or the greens and the blacks. They're they're kind of a wash. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to say the winner. <laughs> it's a stupid answer, but it's just so hard of this episode is Aemond, just because we now have one of the baddest characters in the show who we didn't know of until last episode. So he didn't obviously win anything. This is the way he is, but us as viewers. Well, he won in the time jump by becoming a total badass and not being hindered by being biopic. So he's the time jump winner of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing that is of note that I think we should say is Rhaenyra and Damon have two children and a third on the way. I don't know if there's any way to work around it, but even if there was a way for like, 
Jace and uh, uh, Luke Luke to step aside uh, and Joffrey to all step aside. There's no contention at all about hers and Damon's kids. So there still could be an actual line of succession that, that doesn't include the Greens at all here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Rhaenyra, now that she's going to have a true-born son with a husband who's a Targaryen, like they're, they're following it doesn't all matter. the rules here. It, yeah, it basically doesn't matter that she has a bunch of bastards. Um, right. I mean, and she would have to, I mean, they would have to do something of like, even though this is slanderous and ridiculous, we will do this for the betterment of the realm, but everybody better, you know, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then they just give, I, I guess since, uh, oh God, what are their, Jason, what again? Luke. Luke. Those are the two easiest names to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my brain it just is not working here. But so uh, Luke is the one who's supposed to in line after. He's the younger one, so he's the one who gets Driftmark, and Jace is in line okay. for, for the Iron Throne. And so, but here, like Luke or, or Jace will stay with Driftmark. That's a great thing for him. He would still be on the small council. They could make Luke some other. They could make Luke hand. Oh, you mean if they if they legitimize Damon and Rhaenyra's right? And I know that would be it would be really awful. But what I'm trying to say here, though, is there are plenty of other contenders. Could create a another civil war within just the Rhaenyra family. Yeah, (laughs) technically, or she raises her kids and doesn't pit them against each other, and and this actually happens, and just be like, look, this might be safer for everybody if we do this, but you will like everybody still gets to be a part of court and a big part here. Like I just see a potential solution and I have a feeling it will never be realized. One last thing. We do see a scene in the beginning where Luke (laughs) is learning high Valerian. He is trying to be a good King and do his duty. Was that Luke or Jace? I think that was Jace. Jace is the oldest. No, no, no. It was the, oh shit. It's Jace. (laughs) Sorry. Ah, it's the eldest one. Um, the one who's going to yes. succeed uh, Rhaenyra. Yeah. And he is learning and he's not doing it in a petulant way. He's doing it and he's saying, I need to learn this to be a good ruler. And she's saying, you got time. And but then and she the, also says, unless you plan to take out your own mom. Yeah. <laughs> but I think she's, I really hope that she says that in jest here. Yeah. Then that's juxtaposed to Aegon, who is just... Doesn't want any of that. And, and Allison basically says, you're no son of mine. Yeah. Um, I all wonder right. if that's foreshadowing at all, but I don't know. Well, if she disowns him, what claim does she have to anything? I wonder if it's more if she disowns other things that she's been... Like, she's been on this track for a long time. So the same way what happens when Viserys dies, what happens when Otto dies... Where does Allison fall with things? Oh, she also got really religious. She found God. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll save all this for our deep dive. (laughs) All right, and then just to our listeners, if you like the show, consider rating and reviewing. That helps people find it. Thanks for listening. We'll do our deep dive in a few days.